Welcome to SMFMS Bookends, a satellite show for Save Me From My Shelf, coming out every week after our proper episode. On this show, we read listener letters, answer questions, include extra analysis and episode outtakes, and have a brief chat about the things we're currently reading, watching, or playing. Hello, you are listening to SMFMS Bookends. Conquers over here is Daniel. Oh, for God's sake. Uh... Yeah, fuck you, buddy. You criticized me for making it too easy. Conquer is a red squirrel. So I'll just say, grey squirrel. <laughs> it's Abby. That's, a, that's some fancy footwork you're doing yeah. over there. Right, guys. So we are here with our satellite show. And we got to start with general updates. Daniel, how are your boots holding up? Have they fallen off your feet yet? Yeah, they're all right. The sole is doing well, I think. So it's probably the top, actually. That's the problem isn't it, when you get your shoes resoled is that the oldest part looks old. I need to polish them, I think. <laughs> Okay, I just I just wanted to check. Thank you. Because I have a boot update of my own. I went to the Piccadilly Cobbler, which I told you was so great. Yeah. And I got two pairs of boots redone for thirty pounds total. Yeah. Well, when I went to pick my, I don't like to hear this. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. First of all, that yeah, great. Bully for you. <laughs> Sorry. Secondly, when I went to pick these up. It was a different guy, and he was like, oh, I was away that day. Probably wouldn't have got you to do this. Or something. He said something like that. Like It was just oh. some guy. The kind of thing that he was saying was like, I am the main member of staff here, and I really believe in the shop. That guy was just like a temp, and clearly didn't oh, believe dog. in the shop and the shop's values. But I'm happy with my soles. I don't care. It's still cheaper than a new pair of boots. Of course it is. Of course. I just, I didn't mean to rub it in. I just really wanted to reinforce it, because you're, you're very hard on your boots. You'll need them reshot again. And... I just want to let you know there are other options. Okay, thank you. Also, shout out to Piccadilly Cobbler if you guys want to sponsor this show. Wow. People walk into the podcasts. Marketing does itself. It's market. It, there you go. They do very good work, I must say. I also wanted to talk about new texts entering the public domain as of this past January. Everyone's been talking about Steamboat Willie, you know, the Mickey Mouse thing entering the public domain but um we had some save me from my shelf favorites here uh, lady chatterley has entered the public domain is that a save me from my shelf favorite no okay orlando is that a save me from my shelf favorite no brex three penny opera threaten opera i bloody love that i love that too good there we go the passion of joan of arc which is a movie you just showed me very recently a triumph Django Reinhardt's music in some countries. All right. Which yeah, I'm a I big mean, fan of. All right. Django, yeah. Only only had, what, seven fingers or something like that. Also, Son of Birmingham, Tolkien, his work in some countries is now in the public well, domain. I would have thought Warner Brothers or whoever did the films would have well, renewed go- that. Can't they renew it sometimes in special cases? I, I'm sure you can, but for God's sake, if Disney didn't manage it with Steamboat Willie... It's true. That's bigger than Tolkien. Bigger Willy. <laughs> Damn it, Daniel. I'm so sorry. We also have a very important update for this podcast. You know on this show, we have talked many times about how Daniel is the straightest man in the world. I've never been able to do a queer reading champagne cork pop for him. Just the Newcastle brown ale. <laughs> Bottle cap, isn't it for me? This week... 
I finally found the key to Daniel's queerness, and it's not ever where I expected it to be. Young John Wayne. Everybody was surprised by the young John Wayne. Okay, so for full disclosure, Daniel teaches a class at the Midland Art Center. He teaches a film class. And we were sitting there watching this Western, because that's the topic, and he puts this thing on, and I'm sitting there looking at the the strapping golden-haired hero, and I was like, who is this tall glass of bang? Golden-haired? Well. It's black. Is it? He looked kind of blondish to me in that. It's really shiny. Oh, ew. Okay, that's lessening <laughs> this. Off. Well, whatever. Well, whatever. He looks very good in it. But He's I'm got sa- a nice buckskin suit. Man, I'm like, this guy is gorgeous. And then he starts talking, and it's John f***ing Wayne. I'll tell you what, if you want to be the straightest guy in the world, fancying John Wayne is a good place to start. Yeah, well, <laughs> quite, but, but Daniel turns off the film clip, and he's like, well, I thought he was terribly handsome. And so I was surprised, yeah, because we're used to big beer gut John Wayne, aren't we? But in Big haggard-looking, yeah. craggy-faced, look up John Wayne 1930, and oh my goodness. The Big Trail, it's a good film. But um, so, for you, Daniel, I'm going to give you the loudest champagne cork pop I can find. Previously so straight that I actually turned people straight. Like that listener. That's right, our, our lesbian listener. Listener, but, could you write in and let us know how your new heterosexuality is going? I, I wouldn't mind an update from you, listener. I just... Does Daniel's power wane over time now that you've got Maybe you've gotten John used Wayne. to it. Does it John Wayne over time? Ew. I don't want you to John Wayne over time. (laughs) Speaking of listener letters, we have very, very few because we read all of them last time and nobody's written in since. So um, we, we managed to get one letter first thing this morning, right before we started recording. Slip through. Just. Just slip through. And it's a response to the previous letter from last bookends isn't it yeah which came out this morning so a letter writer you were really on it you were you wrote back real fast and what was the letter writer's name lc Mm -hmm. possibly lc and this time lc's actually put that so thank you lc for participating in the funny joke (laughs) um so abby daniel there's loads of exclamation marks i'm not gonna count them no go on i will let's have a bit of audio (laughs) no No, okay i won't bother actually because it's anyway it's too hard I gave you equal exclamation marks because I love you both equally like you are my children who I only interact with once a fortnight and are also just disembodied voices. <laughs> so quite, quite an easy childcare gig that is, if you can get it. I was just thinking that kills the whole Paul Newman and Steve McQueen. The point was that I come second but get more exclamation marks. So you've just killed that. Now I'm inferior again. I like her. Yeah. As to your first bookend episode this morning, whilst getting ready for work and laughed so hard I cried fresh mascara down my face. Oh, we've all done that. (laughs) Thanks for that. I'm thinking, what's her job then? Like, high Egyptian priest? Daniel, do you know what mascara is? And also, do you know that many women wear it just as part of their daily life? I'm wearing some right now. Oh. You're thinking of eyeliner. Oh, yeah. Mascara's on the lashes, isn't it? Correct. So, anyway, if I'm late and get fired, it's your fault. (laughs) I take no responsibility for you. Well, I was thinking that the Patreon would have to turn into, like, a legal fund. <laughs> I should have known you both loved the Bad Sex Award. Rest in peace. What was your favourite entry? <laughs> Sorry, that was just me joking there. Can you do a segment like Bad Goodreads and read some of them to us? Maybe with analysis. Curl our toes and our hair. Curl our toes and our hair. That is funny. I laughed very hard when I saw that. 
Explain that joke to me. Well, because sex curls your toes, but then when you read things that are horrible, they say that'll curl your hair. You've never heard either of those. Nope. Oh, diddums. Okay. Well, I thought that was hilarious. That's funny now, I know. Okay. Elsie, because your letter came in just as we were about to record, I have not had a chance to look up any of the Bad Sex Awards. However, I love this idea. I was thinking of going back to when this started, and I believe 1993, and every episode will do a year maybe picking excerpts from the Bad Sex Awards and reading them, and we can give you a little bit of analysis if you want. And then Daniel had a really good idea, which is that we might bring in our favorite bad sex scenes and read them. And listeners, if you have a bad sex scene from a book that you want us to read, send it in. We can resuscitate it on the show. I think that's a wonderful idea, Elsie and Daniel. You both uh, contributed to shaping this. The Bad Sex Hall of Fame will be a go-go. I hope we don't get sued from the Bad Sex Awards of like, wait, you are not affiliated with us. Could be public domain now. <laughs> Isn't. Is that the end of that letter? Yes, thank you very much, Elsie. Okay, and then that was the only letter we got. However, we did have a comment on Twitter. And this was in response to us in the Scarlet Letter episode, revealing that we were going down to mostly a monthly schedule this year. And this is from Nemini7, who said, Okay, I started listening. Many gasps. Boo to that uni for dropping you. Yay to you finding a way to survive. So I just wanted to address that. The university didn't actually drop us. They're still really happy for us to keep doing the show. But as with many pots of funding money, sometimes those pots dry up for various reasons, usually way above our pay grade. Sometimes the remit of the funding changes and it's, you know, focused on more things. Sometimes these pots become just more competitive and more people are after the money and therefore we can't expect, you know, to to keep funding the show in the same way that we had before. So, yeah, I just want to be really clear that Aston did not drop us. There's there is certainly no ill will or bad blood or anything like that happening. That's not what's going on. Nemini also says, does this mean we can do books that are not in the course plan now? No, so the the point of this show is not just to cover books that are on our reading list, although we do that sometimes. It's to generally provide episodes on books that are generally assigned in the US and the UK at secondary school and undergrad level. So if anything, with fewer episodes now, we're going to be getting more conventional, more of the big greats that people either need help with or probably should have read but are too intimidated to do. Hooray. More convention. <laughs> the males, the pales, and the stales are going to be doing pretty well out of this. Not quite like that, but oh, okay, then. things that are generally assigned, whether that's world literature that's being added to a lot of curricula or what. Okay. Now, for our segment, Bad Goodreads, The Remedial Sessions. Don't smirk that's at funny. me. That's funny, yeah. So today we are going to be covering Othello, because when we did that episode originally, we did not have the Bad Goodreads segment. Hello there, and welcome back to today's episode of Did I Not Comprehend This Because of My Dyslexia? Or Was This Just Letters? One star. That tells us nothing about the story. And as it's a written text, yes, it was just letters. This is an unhelpful review. This was different than what I usually read, but the story was very unpredictable. This book had a good theme, and I liked the end where everyone died. Merry Christmas, one star. (laughs) 
this is like one of Shakespeare's comedies, but without the jokes. <laughs> one star. <laughs> Iago was so slay. One star. Daniel, you don't know what that means. You're shaking and shivering like a little chihuahua over there. Iago is a handkerchief-pilled incel. <laughs> One star. That's a good review, I think. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Shakespeare, but I hated Othello. Might be because the play itself only made up a third of the book, and the rest was introduction essay. One star. You know you can skip that, right? What the f*** is he talking about? At least the other one I knew they were in the woods or something. <laughs> one star. Now, some additional analysis and outtakes from our episode on Rebecca. And I want to ask you, how do you pronounce that? I would say foey. Foey, right, it's foey. I don't know how I know that it's foey. It's one of those things that you just pick up over time. Well, I know it because of my blood, but... <laughs> I can see why you wouldn't know, Foey, yeah. Yeah, take that, Ferdinand Saussure. Some words do have intrinsic meaning. Yeah, well, nose apparently tends to begin with an N because it's nasal. So that people are going sense. against the Saussurean thing to an extent. Also, uh, Jamaica Inn is yeah. a real place. It's on Bodmin Moor. It's just like a pub, but a pub that's sort of half living museum type thing. And they've got plaques everywhere saying, like, where a character got... I can't, I've never read the book. Have you read Jamaica in? No. Oh, well, somebody gets shot in it, or something like that, or something revealed. And it's got plaques for where those things happened. And I'm like, it's not real. Why are you having plaques for things that happen in a fictional... Oh, I think that's charming. Come okay, on, people right. are... <laughs> having been to Bodmin, which is kind of far out... Yeah. Like, if you're going to go all that way, yeah, give us a little showmanship. Well, it's on Bodmin Moor as well, so it's not even in Bodmin. It's, like, really in the wilderness. Yeah. And there's that big cat attacking people. So. When I was there, I was constantly afraid that I was about to be attacked by the Beast of Bodmin. Did you go to Bodmin Jail? I did not. Oh, I've never been there. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> not yet. Not with that attitude, no, you won't. that's a good point, yeah, yeah. They hang out more as the days go on. They go for drives, day trips. Mm. Gnome world, probably, I'm thinking, that they go to. Did, I mentioned it in the place in Cornwall. When, Gnome? World? Yeah, it's a, I thought you mis misheard because it's it's just this like rubbish attraction. We're full of garden gnomes. Do I have to ask, as a Cornwellite, do you have garden gnomes? No. Are you lying to me? No, the, it's bollocks. It's just a fake place for tour it's a tourist trap. I would never go there. It's that's not what I asked. No, let me finish. Cornwall, we have piskies. Right. We don't have gnomes. Okay, that's good. And though. I did have a little Cornish pisky model when I was younger. Did it have a name? I don't think so. Oh, don't lie to me. <laughs> I don't think it might have done. Tregowan or something. <laughs> Some kind of Cornish sounding name. And Frank says... It's perhaps cheeky of me to say so. I don't know you very well. I'm a bachelor. I don't know very much about women. But I should say that kindness... Uh, I don't know what this is. Kindness and sincerity, and if I may say so, modesty are worth far more to a man, to a husband, than all the wit and beauty in the world. Yeah, you wanted me to do a measuring worth of kindness to beauty ratio. That's not like hard work. I don't want to do that. What is that? It makes me think of a bureau de change or something. You give them, you give them, bring your beauty and then you come back with <laughs> kindness. I was just trying to give you further space to shine in this episode. 
it's like in a sitcom when you gear up to do that and the audience starts going crazy and this is like it's not really your catchphrase but this is your like I'll get you my pretty this is your hasta la vista baby this is your to infinity and beyond but no you're not doing that today you're not you're not giving the audience what it so craves from you I think it's a bit different I mean it's not but it's also well I just think it's hard isn't it to you're the one who loved doing the weird I, if we recall sir you were the one who was like Oh, I can't be bothered going back to the bloody normal measuring worse now that I've gotten my metaphysical one. That's oh, true, actually, can't bloody it? stop. Yeah. I love it. I love Sorry. it. Well, what is the kindness to beauty ratio? I don't know, Daniel. That was your job that you did not do. Um, but it's weird that it's the only day Maxim's away from home, though. Hmm. Later, this man, Jack Favel, Favel, Favel. I said Favel. Favel makes me think of, um... The majority of our listeners who live in the favelas of Brazil, don't they? <laughs> Stop sucking up to the Lucifers. <laughs> I can't love it. I just, it's funny, isn't I'm it? I'm just, I'm just so beloved. I'm their darling. They love sardines. The Cornish love pilchards. There's something going on there, I think. <laughs> um, so. So, to repeat an excellent joke I read on Twitter, the narrator should have asked Mrs. Danvers, Hey, bitch. Are there twice as many stars as normal? Because you're a two-faced cow. You don't get that joke at all. There's a poem out there about some sort of, like, conjoined twin cow who looks up at the sky and he doesn't know that the farmer's going to destroy him tomorrow morning, but because there are two heads and two sets of eyes, there are twice as many stars to see. And it's this, like, really schmaltzy poem. That's horrible. And that's, so a really, he, that's grotesque. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a grim poem. Is that real? Yes. But it's all on Twitter, and I just saw somebody saying, like, yeah, you're a two-faced cow. That's, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, it God. It almost seems like the whole thing was set up just for that joke. You'd think. That is so bleak. That's depressed me, that story has. Well, Jesus Christ, it's a poem. It's not a real story. Well, yeah, but it's based on real things, isn't it? So, not only do I have to explain my joke, but instead of making you laugh, it's bummed you out. It this has. is yeah. This is the greatest work I have done on this show to date. Yeah. Oh, God. That poor cow. Anyway. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm over it now. Do you need to maybe have a lie down under the table for a minute? Collect yourself. This table's not big enough. You could curl up into... Yeah, I could do, but the... I'm a splayer. <laughs> also, I just want to say that when they take Colonel Julian to London and they're all really nervous that they're going to be outed as murderers, they go in this roadside hotel and they have cold ham... <laughs> And Colonel Junior has, like, a four-course meal. And I just thought that was a funny bit. The amount these people eat... I don't get that. It's you're posh people. three f- massive meals a day, plus... Tea. Tea. And it's those scones and things that are going to get you. The four-course yeah. meal. I always think that, though, whenever I watch any period pieces, and it's like, oh, tea, and they're piling up sandwiches and scones and things, and yeah. I'm just a bit like... No. Oh. Crumpets. Crumpet or a hot butter sponge. I like a crumpet, but come on now. We know it's just a vehicle for getting more butter into your fat gob. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Put that on the advert, shouldn't they? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, um, you're right. You're, you're totally right. That's, like, that's you're completely right. That's, that's why they're, they're delicious. That's why they've got holes in. That's what they're for. I don't like them because it looks like somebody in cleats has walked on them. I always feel like they're a little bit dirty. Yeah, I thought this was this was a book that has a lot of, like 
medicalized stuff in it, a lot of disability and trauma and abuse. Like mm. the narrator kind of has some sort of undiagnosed anxiety disorder. Well, she talks about the nightmares of childhood at one point, doesn't she? Which I thought was quite pointed. Max clearly has PTSD. Rebecca has some sort of psychopathy reading, plus the whole thing with her, like, deformed uterus and her cancer and maybe sex addiction. Jack is clearly an alcoholic, like they say that overtly in the book. We have old Ben, sort of the yeah. harmless nutter in yeah, town. Village idiot type. It's, it's a sympathetic view, even if a cliched one. Yeah. And Mrs. Danvers, I, every time she had a line, especially about Rebecca, all I kept thinking in my head is, I have a mania. What is that? I don't know. It's just oh. just the idea <laughs> okay. of like, yeah, I just kept thinking it in that voice. <laughs> ah, Daniel, those bloopers were so hilarious. Well, I didn't think so. I you thought, didn't? I'm quite chastened by them. <laughs> I'm actually feeling a bit drained right now. Are you okay? Can you pull your finger out of your ass so we can get <laughs> this last little bit? Yep. Okay. Just for me? Yep. Okay. Now for some more general questions or points. So, Daniel... We've heard a lot on the show about how much you love food, especially literary representations of food. Can I ask what your least favorite food is and just something you will generally never eat? Um, well, we talked a bit about this in Rebecca, didn't we? If indeed it didn't get deleted. It almost assuredly will. Okay. Well, Rebecca has a lot of aspic in it, which is a type of savory jelly. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that I don't like jelly. What is it? There's something sordid about the jiggling. <laughs> you would never even try aspic. Oh, yeah, I'd try it. Okay. But yeah, why not? Just tick it off. Mm-hmm. Tick it off, for God's <laughs> sake. But yeah, I'm not going to be going out of my way to have aspic. What is your least favorite literary or cinematic representation of food? Oh, at the beginning of A Fistful of Dynamite, there's that scene where all the characters in the stagecoach talking as they eat, and the, the, the camera's very close up to their mouths. Ooh, it's, okay. a re- it's a really great bit. And then it's kind of knocked off in The Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Where the um, the guy's eating. Did you even mention that? that oh, was, sorry. Yeah. That was mine that I put in your notes. Yeah, that was... I, I hate Denethor eating that f***ing tomato. I'm very sensitive about food stuff. Anything with people talking with their mouth open or throwing up or food fights, I, I will not have any of it. Also... I was thinking that when I saw that. I was like, they get that from the Undying Lands or something. Is that where tomatoes... <laughs> what, how's that work then? You know, like... <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have potatoes. Why is all your stew potato-based? Exactly. Some chips or something. You know, that's what he says, doesn't he? Watch taters. Gollum's the only one who believes in the Colombian exchange. Watch taters, precious. Yeah, so maybe that annoys me. The thing that I used to hate as a child, and this is apparently a very controversial take, is I hated all the food scenes in Redwall books. And people loved them. People were all, like my friend Corey was always going on about how hungry it made him and how is much- Is it always he, like lovely roast mutton? And is it kind of that sort of crap? Lots of barley stews and crusty yeah. bread. and It felt smug and it felt like filler. Well, that's what I was gonna say that that kind of food representation is bad writing in my book. In the book of Daniel, that kind of like wholesome, Food as a shortcut to conviviality or comfort uh, yeah. is a literary device. Is not how I like food to be represented. Please. As a child, I remember having an argument with somebody because I was like, he doesn't show, he just tells. And I think that this was an extension of that, of like, isn't it lovely here? Look at the, f- I don't know. I just, yeah, no. whenever he got to one of his big long food scenes, I would be like, skip. No, it's just, I, I never read those Red War books, but it's a common thing, isn't it? That device of... Lovely comfort. Well, it was in Narnia, wasn't it? Yeah. 
they the bit where they have the big breakfast with the beavers mm-hmm. and that was meant to do exactly lovely buttery scones or something mm-hmm. i don't know f- off <laughs> i'm so glad i thought you were gonna fight me on this because everyone i've ever met thinks i'm wrong and it's just a matter of personal preference i just i always skipped those scenes i think for me on a kind of naive level of, of reading i kind of it has some effect on me mm-hmm. it has the intended effect mm-hmm. it's so clumsy and i so immediately recognize i'm being manipulated that it annoys me so here's another question for you you play a lot of instruments. You've even done some of the instrumentals on this show. If you only once. Oh wait, no, not only twice. once. Twice you did the Warhorn and you did the Meditations on Terra for Huckleberry Finn. That's true. If you had to start a band and you could only play one instrument, which instrument would you choose to, you know, the exclusion of all others? I'm very talented. I that's the You're, problem. Kazoo. Okay. Um, spoons. Okay. Um, Throw a washboard in there. Ocarina, washboard, all the kind of really hard instruments. Okay. That's what I'm really good at. Uh, going like this. Ooh, what? Whistling and humming at the same time. I've never seen anyone do that before. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. If I lived in California in the 1950s... Theremin players would be out of work. Well, I was just going to say... B-movie yeah, heaven. B-movie sound effects. Um, I don't know. I was in a big band at university and I played the piano in that. So I suppose piano. But I don't think I was very good. So maybe not piano. <laughs> um, my keyboard was always suspiciously turned down or something. You know, like <laughs> oh, you played on a keyboard then. Well, okay. for some of the gigs I yeah. had to, yeah. I would play those little finger cymbals. Ooh, yeah. very good. Or yeah. maybe I would just wear go-go boots and dance in a cage and that's my contribution to the band. Bez it. Yeah, I'd bez it, yeah. yeah. Um, I did have formal piano lessons for 10 years from the chain-smokingest woman you ever did see. I just got a notice from my aunt showing her obituary. I did not think she was going to make it this long. Oh, wow. Yeah, rest in peace, homie. Right, and now let's get to what you're currently reading, watching, and playing. I uh, don't know. Uh... Still, you've, I mean, we're on episode two, you've had time to plan. <laughs> you don't have. I just. I feel like I, you and I live in quite different media ecosystems. I listen to loads more like radio and stuff. I was thinking about that on the way in. I was thinking I could. I'd like love to talk about all the different buses I've been on. <laughs> I'm just such a moron. Go on. Uh, no, no, no. Someone said that because I was thinking that maybe people could like triangulate where I. Oh yeah, that's actually um, yeah, probably uh, a good idea. No, I don't want people knowing. Have you seen any films lately? We're we're in Oscar season. You better believe I'm going through all of them. No, I only watch westerns, as you know. From the class, yeah. yeah. But I saw a really good western, a John Ford one called My Darling Clementine. Have you seen that? No, but I've heard of it. Right, well, it's really good. Got a strangely kind of, um, what would you call it? Kind of lobotomized mm-hmm. plot. Okay. But it also feels like really clever, the plot mm-hmm. does, and it has this whole like Hamlet parallel, and it's really nicely shot. The interiors in particular are really lovely. So uh, have you seen any of the Oscar films? No. Nope. What are they then? <laughs> Oh, God, you're going to have to look up the list. There are loads. But I did just see Poor Things. And we're... Yeah, it was very good. I, uh, it's one of the few times in recent history that I've left the theater feeling sort of thrilled and just going, I, I want to live in that universe. I thought that universe was so beautiful and so weird. I'm going to actually not talk about Poor Things too much because that is the book that we are reading for our March book group. Put a fork out. And fork out if you want to hear Abby talk about oh, poor things. Shut up. No, but I do want to keep that fresh for our um, our patrons. Thank you to the patrons. I keep forgetting to thank them. Thank you. I also saw Priscilla. 
Oh, yeah. Which felt like a real fuck you to Baz Luhrmann's Elvis movie. Mm. It was so much better. It was so good. And I thought they, they did a wonderful job of showing how flashy and glamorous this life is and not making it sexy yeah. in any way. There was so much where I was like, wow, she's really stylish. Man, does that look ugly. And having those two things at the exact same time, I thought they really took That's the... That's cool. That's a kind of hard thing to sustain. I was so impressed with Sofia mm. Coppola for that. Hmm. What about what... Are you reading any fiction at the moment that's not related to the show? Oh, God. Um, oh, these questions are the same every time. I know, but I'm just... I'm not. I, can't, I don't want to lie. No, I'm not. I only read books related to the podcast. Or Marxism. <laughs> We're going to have to cut this segment, aren't we? Uh, no, it's fine. It's funny in this way. <laughs> uh, I just finished reading Patricia Lockwood's No One Is Talking About This. Oh, yes. Which, the premise sounds so banal when marketing gets their hand on it. And it's like, you ever think what it's like living on the internet all day? And, you know, you're sort of disconnected from family and all that. And I was like, man, if this did not have Patricia Lockwood's name on it, I would not pick this book up. It was so good. It was so funny. But boy, does the second half have a real gut punch. I think I knew that. Yeah, I'm going to read it. I read a lot of Patricia Lockwood in the LRB, mm-hmm. and she's like a really funny and charming writer. But, oh, yeah. But it's a bit like you, actually. The the jokes are referencing things that half the time I don't get what she's on about. So yeah. I'm just like, after a while, I'm like, why am I reading this review? I have literally no idea what's going <laughs> on here. So that's part of the problem. Well, she, she talks about that a lot in the book, where she's like, why is this funny? And, you know, when scholars from 100 years hence are going through our artifacts what are they going to think about this like weird meme that then spiraled out of control? Like, how are they going to follow all of this when our language and references change so fast? In the future, everybody will be James Joyce. You know, <laughs> think about how James Joyce was... The myth is that he, when he wrote Ulysses, he was like, I want the scholars to be pouring over this for mm-hmm. hundreds of years to come. Yeah. Now we really are all like that. Yeah. Yeah, are you playing anything at the moment? No. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I played Red Dead Redemption. Now I've kind of gone back to not playing games. Mm -hmm. Just like having, you know, I played a lot of them as a child. And Mm -hmm. so I constantly have dreams about people telling me to press C and things like that. Oh, Daniel, that's so, that's so weird. Yeah, I mean, thinking like, well, what is C? You know, like, I'm I'm just a person in a dream. I'm not, I'm not holding a controller. Can I say something to you? What? Who would say this except for a holy fool? Sometimes I feel like you're on you're on another plane of existence with meditations of it's amazing. I, I never know what's gonna come out of your mouth. Oh right. <laughs> okay. Holy fool, that's a pretty good gig if you can get it. You could be an anchor, right? You're you're practically already there. I don't wanna dig your own grave? Yeah. Where do they shit? Out the window. Make the other priest deal with it. Here you go, dummy. Yeah. Don't think so. Don't want to be there quite, thank you. Well, as usual, Daniel had nothing to contribute on the actual official side of things, but plenty to contribute around it, for which I thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> well, we don't know how to end this thing, so uh, I'm going to pull the plug. Thanks, guys. We will see you in three weeks with our next proper episode. As I said before, we're going to keep tweaking the format of this, you know, seeing what works, what doesn't. Let us know, you know, if there's anything that we can fix or any segments you want to see. And yet, please do write in so we have more letters to read on this show. And from Daniel and myself, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Save Me From My Shelf. Our music is The Overture to Don Giovanni by Mozart, and cover art is by Catherine Wu. 
Our thanks to Aston University's Centre for Critical Inquiry and to Society and Culture for funding the startup of this podcast. Contact us at savemefrommyshelf at gmail.com or at smfms underscore podcast on Twitter. And do not, I'm going to remind you, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Do not forget. Thank you.